Now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Take me to the Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir? I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Keith, Dennis, and our guest from AOPA would be uh, Tom Haynes today, rounding out the crew, at least for a few segments, as we navigate the latest aviation news and information. And uh, a lot to talk about today, because um, this past week we had an incident uh, that, that's obviously top of mind with with most aviation enthusiasts involving a, a B-17. And, and, Tom, you've been covering this with AP, AOPA quite a bit. Where did this uh, Where did this accident happen again? Yeah, I was in Connecticut, uh, Bradley Field in, in Connecticut. We had a, a B-17, a flying fortress, uh, involved in an accident. Uh, it was a uh, passenger uh, flight. Uh, uh, it's owned by a foundation called the Collings Foundation, and they have numerous warbirds including this B-17, and they uh, barnstorm it around the country. Mm -hmm. I've been doing so for many years. I flew with them years ago in their B-24, and they uh, had an accident, uh, a fatal, unfortunately. And um, and so it was a real tragedy for the Warbird world and, of course, for everyone who was affected by that, passenger families, that sort of thing. The ripple effect of something like this is enormous. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and it's such a thrill to be able to fly in those uh, aircraft at the air shows when they come in and do this kind of thing, and then they'll do the, you know, the special thing. If you give them a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, they'll take you up for, you know, for a ride, and that's quite a treat. And yeah, I don't want to see that shut down. I mean, and it's way too early to know what exactly happened. I guess, right, uh, Tom? It's way it's way too yes. early to speculate in that regard. Uh, but yeah. I saw on AOPA Live, you guys actually did have the. The audio of the the crew talking back to the tower, saying they had to circle back around after uh, them having an incident, and they were very calm. They they didn't. It didn't sound like a super emergency when you listen back to the audio. You think? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were apparently having trouble with one engine. Of course, it's a four engine airplane, so uh, they had thirteen people on board. I think it was. So by wartime standards, a fairly light load, and losing one engine, you would think wouldn't be. Um, a too big of an issue, definitely something you want to get back on the ground about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they made the call to the tower saying they wanted to return and because they were having a, a number four engine problem, didn't really describe even in any detail what it was. Uh, but then all of a sudden when they were on short final, they ended up short of the runway and uh, hit some, some ILS antennas and then uh, hit a uh, de-icing fluid tank. Yeah. And then there was a fire. And it, uh, and like I said, there were some fatalities. So, yeah, definitely too, too soon to speculate about what may have led to the engine failure and then what caused them to not be able to get back to the airport. So we'll, we'll let the NTSB sort that out over time. But uh, we did uh, have uh, some sort of knee-jerk sort of reaction about questioning whether maybe these airplanes, warbirds, should all be grounded and shouldn't be allowed to fly passengers anymore. Which is What? What? Who, who started that nonsense? Some politician, uh, I'm assuming. Well, yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Senator Blumenthal out of Connecticut. Oh, um, okay. Imagine okay. that. Yeah, um, so the started odds? to make that case, and mm-hmm. so um, it. Uh, I think definitely, it's we need to investigate. We need to understand what happens. Happened. Everybody needs to. You know, everybody wants that, of course. But to 
you know, after only one accident to suddenly saying we should be grounding airplanes uh, is inappropriate because yeah. these are like living museums practically. They are a way for, you know, generations today to be able to connect back to what happened during World War II in the case of the B-17 and what a pivotal role that airplane had in turning the tide in Europe, for example, and also in the Pacific. So um, we need to keep them out there flying, but we need to be safe about it. Uh, of course. But they do have accidents from time to time, just like other types of aviation. Uh, but there's no indication that they that there's, there's a, a problem here. And if there is a problem, we need to uncover it and we need to solve it. But that doesn't necessarily lead directly to grounding the airplanes. Right. Now, as far as statistics, uh, do we have anything on those type of aircraft? I'm assuming we do. I mean, has there been any, there hasn't been any uptick or anything, obviously, with that particular aircraft. But just with that whole experience in general, they have a pretty good track record offering up these flights around the country, if not the world, don't they? They do. Um, at the end of the day, you're flying around in 75 and 80 year old airplanes. In a lot of cases, they are very well maintained. In fact, they're maintained. The ones that are giving rides are maintained at the same level as uh, any other airplane, and um, the the pilots go through very rigorous training, uh, upwards of what you would see in a Part 135 operation. A lot of them operate at sort of Part 135, the basically charter kind of uh, level of training and recurrent training and proficiency for the pilots. Mm-hmm. So um, they operate kind of in a special category. They've got a generally a waiver or a letter from the FAA that allows them to take passengers in these airplanes that were never designed to carry passengers. Um, and so they don't have the same level of safety inside the cabin when it comes to, um, uh, you know, sort of accident uh, mitigation or, you know, when you, when you have a crash, uh, you're just basically sitting in a, in a, lots of times a, a metal seat like they use during the war. Mm-hmm. And so from that standpoint, it, it is different. And passengers need to be made aware of that before they get on the airplane by signing a waiver and being informed of that. And I, I think these crews do a very good job in general of doing that, mm-hmm. making sure that people understand what they're getting into. It is a different flight experience. It's not like flying on the airlines. And so we need to make sure that people understand that. Well, odds are it's probably better than most of the airlines is my guess. <laughs> But well, the uh, in-flight, in-flight service can't be worse than uh, any worse than most of the. Airlines. Amen, brother. Yeah, All right, I'll agree with that. What do you think, Keith? What do, what do you think about this mess? Huh? Well, I, I have to agree with Tom one hundred percent. And you know, I think for any listeners who are not real familiar with airplanes, they have to understand that airplanes are maintained to a much higher standard than what most people's cars are maintained. Right. And so even though these airplanes, like Tom said, are 70, maybe 80 years old, mm-hmm. they go through these things with a fine-tooth comb. And and most of the people that work on these airplanes, they do it because they absolutely love these airplanes, and they just pour their hearts and souls into these things and rebuild them and, and maintain them on a regular basis. So, right. Have you ever been and, in uh, this B-17? Not, in that, ever done not in that particular one. What about you, Dennis? I know you do this stuff when you're out at the air shows. What do you think? Yeah, I haven't uh, had an opportunity to take a ride yet in the B-17, but uh, on our airport was actually going to be having the Calling Foundations uh, B-17 for this upcoming air show season. So it's kind of a, a blow to us because we'd been planning on having that aircraft available for our, uh, you know, our air expo and to be able to give tours and rides. I mean, I think it'd be a real shame if they try to shut it down because you don't, re- you, no one can really appreciate what those uh, World War II veterans went through the conditions they were in until you can actually get inside and see what it was like to be in one of those airplanes. Right. Can you imagine 25,000 feet, unpressurized, no heat, 
you, know, you just you don't appreciate that until you can actually get in there and touch it. And I think if they were to take that away, I think they'd be doing a real disservice to the greatest generation. Agreed. Uh, Tom, what do you think as far as the politician Blumenthal uh, up there? Is he? Did someone smack him around and say, hey, uh, you know, you got to pay attention here and let, let them do their job? To, have we got to them? I, I mean, that's what you guys do at AOPA is keep those politicians in <laughs> well, line, don't you? Well, what we do, we educate, right? Right, right. Okay. So, uh, educate, uh, slap them around, whatever it takes. <laughs> do you use, do the, you use board the Board of, of Education or Clue Stick? <laughs> 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 uh, so who knows what he may do? He may uh, ask the FA to do it. May put it do a hearing and have the FA come in and talk about what are they doing around safety about these airplanes and that sort of thing. And and that's fine. The FAA I think uh, can come in with good answers. And as I said, if if there needs to be some changes in procedures, uh, I've, uh, then I think we can all get our heads around that as long as it's reasonable and uh, doesn't ground them either you know, literally ground them because somebody issues an order or it makes it so expensive for them to operate that they can't afford to fly anymore, which is, is would be a, a real shame. Which would so, come back to like an uh, insurance company saying, okay, we've had this mm-hmm. accident, we got to raise our rates, and then it puts everybody out of business from doing this. Is that what you're referring to? Well, that, yeah, that's that's another sort of controlling factor out there. It's not all just the FAA and regulations. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is is the insurance industry, which is, you know, a semi-regulator in the through the premiums, they can sort of control who gets to fly what. But I think and, in, in, in this type of situation, you know, our country is so into having all the information right now. You really have to just sit back, relax, let the NTSB do their job, and let's figure out what happened first before we make knee-jerk reactions and just start shutting everything down. That is so un-American. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Come on, Keith. We you want everything now. Right. You know I'm not politically correct. Instant gratification. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Yeah. Sometimes it works against us, or I should say pretty much all the time. But, you know, the NTSB does such a super, superb job of figuring this stuff out, and uh, we need to let them do their job before we figure out what it is. I mean, obviously, every one of us hates the loss of life. Right. But there hasn't really been, and Tom, you could probably help me with this, but I don't think there's been an accident that we haven't learned from and made changes to the system that has made it much better today. Well, yeah, you know, they say the regulations are written in blood uh, because you're right. That's the genesis of a lot of the regulatory change we've had over the years is uh, as a result of learning from accidents. Hopefully we'll find out some more facts that we can uh, learn from that incident in the coming weeks. More positive things coming up, hopefully, on Just Plain Radio. Stay close. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. 
Flightstudy.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Where are we? Are we in L.A.? No, we're in North Dakota, and only those passengers deemed fit to fly will go on to Los Angeles. And you're not one of them. Wanna fly, 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 can I vibe, vibe, this is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that is me, along with Captain Keith and Dennis. And then from AOPA, we have uh, Tom Haynes. You can check him out every week on AOPALive.org. Uh, him and Melissa recap some very cool, or and it keeps everybody up to date on all the aviation news and stuff that's going on. Like that incident we were just talking about. But let's focus on some more positive things, uh, better developments. Uh, there's a what, what what is this uh the first twin piston aircraft has been delivered uh where up in connecticut or, or i don't know where was this cape air where are they yeah. based at there yeah Tom? cape air they're up in the in the new england area and they uh they for years have been that's a it's a pretty big regional airline actually that still flies piston twins cessna 404s for eons hmm. and they completely rebuilt them have done a great job of keeping those old airplanes flying but they finally decided they needed a new airplane and so they uh, they looked around and nobody was building an airplane that kind of fit what they needed. So they talked to Technum, which is an Italian company, and and helped them basically design a piston twin airplane that fit their needs at Cape Air. And this has been a multi-year project. And finally, just this week, um, they had the first two of these new uh, Technum P2012 Traveler airplanes, brand new design, delivered uh, to Cape Air up in New England. So they're gonna they're gonna go into service here anytime now and. And uh, hey, Greg, you may run into these airplanes because Cape Air also has an operation in the uh, Caribbean that they do, particularly move a bunch of airplanes down there in the wintertime when they're not so active. Up yeah, in the Cape. I've seen them. I was just in Grenada last week, and I might have, uh, I, I think I remember seeing that logo, but yeah. uh, who knows? But, uh, you know, yeah. the thing is, uh, these are perfect island hopper type aircraft, right? I mean, are they replacing like what, twin otters or twin otters are way bigger? The, the isn't Cessna it? 402 is what they're replacing. Right? Okay. So that's what they've used for years. But you need that type of twin engine type of aircraft in the islands because, uh, well, first of all, they like having two engines as opposed to one. <laughs> a, lot of yeah. the, a lot of the folks down there, insurance companies, goes back to the insurance companies, right, Dom? Yeah, it does does do that. Yeah, but no, makes sense. Twin engine airplane over water like that. And of course, mm-hmm. they fly out of out of the uh, uh, Cape Cod area, so they have a lot of over water operations up in New England. 
Um, and then um, they're, they, they're short hop, so they, they're not pressurized airplanes because they don't bother going that high. Mm-hmm. And um, in this case, they're using a couple of Lycoming engines, and it's a, it's a kind of a neat, neat little airplane. I'm anxious to get a chance to fly it. Well, how many seats in this thing? I mean, it I can carry quite 11, a bit, can it? 11 passengers, I think. All right. That sounds like a, a scuba plane for me and uh, Dennis. There what do you think, go. Dennis? Yeah, load up some gear and away um, you go. I'd be yeah. all over that. Yeah. How, how does that compare in price co- compared to like a Grand Caravan uh, fully equipped? It's probably about another five mil, I'm thinking. Uh, boy, I don't know. Since this is a, this is sort of a uh, airline sort of airplane, they haven't been talking a lot about prices. But my guess is you could probably get one for certainly – no more than what you'd pay for a caravan. No, oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, caravan's turboprop, and it's a. Um, it's going to be faster. Much, much well, yeah. actually, no, I don't know if it's no. faster or not, but. Uh, I don't uh, think the caravan would be. Well, it can't be really? slower. <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. Then, well, so what's the? Why wouldn't you go with the this new one then? This twin over a caravan. Well, well I think a lot uh, of people will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, then they are just kind of different types of airframes. Uh, you know, caravans great on floats. And very versatile. It's got the big doors on it. You can carry a lot of, of uh, freight and cargo. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, twin has some pretty good sized doors on it, too, but it's more meant for a passenger carrying airplanes. Well, I just leave a couple of those passengers at home, replace them with dive gear, and I'm good to go. Oh, there, yeah, you go. there you go. Well, yeah, will this work for my needs there, Keith? What do you think? Do we, uh, do we have another option? We have another option, I think. All right. So I got the Grand Caravan. I got the uh, Quest Kodiak. And now I have the, what is it again? P2012. B twenty twelve, Dennis, you in? So, uh, I'll, I got to get my wallet out and check because I <laughs> well, just no, looked gotta, online. That's what we got. Price Keith is here. two point seven million. Oh, two point seven, okay, which is which is very comparable to the Grand Caravan pricing. Okay, uh-huh. uh, but you know, will it be cheaper in the long run to run two Lycomings versus one Pratt and Whitney turbine? Uh, you know, I, I think the operating costs could be a lot less. Uh, just from the standpoint of, you know, it's a piston engine, mm-hmm. cheaper maintenance and parts. And at low, al- uh, low altitude, your fuel burn to be a lot less, too. Exactly. Hmm. Well, yeah. Keith has high credit limits, so I think we're good to go, right, Keith? Let's do it. I'm Let's ready. do it. He's Let's in. It. All right. It. All right. One for me, one for Hope you. Hope they're listening. <laughs> okay. So uh, that that is cool, though. That is good news. And uh, so we'll have to see how those things uh, circulate out. But uh Keith was saying during the commercial break when we talked about uh, bringing this story up, you, you're saying that these planes that they replaced, though, now you can get a, a bargain deal on one? What, a 402? Cessna yeah. 402. They stopped making those airplanes. I don't even remember exactly when they stopped making them. But, you know, like Tom said, they've been rebuilding these airplanes and keeping them alive uh, for a long time. And that's why they reached out because Cessna doesn't make them anymore. Mm-hmm. So they reached out right. to Technam to. Um, build them an airplane, so they kind of did it from scratch, and you know, yeah. they, they come up with a good deal. Well, I, I don't know if that sounds like a great selling point to me, though. What's that? Hey, saying, hey, you get a great deal on a 402, uh, but they don't make them anymore, and Cessna's abandoning <laughs> them, uh, you know. Well, it, it all depends <laughs> on what you're using them for. I mean, I you, can you can still get, get it parts. for less than $2.2 million too. Well, so yes, you can. Where is that? Yeah. yeah. How, how much is one of those going for about, Dennis? A 402? Google it. <laughs> A four hundred two. Yeah, what do you? You probably know off the top of your head, no, don't you, Keith? No, I don't. Oh, do you have an you, idea? You've got such high t- high airframe times on those airplanes yeah, and stuff, really and do. you got to really kind of look at each one. Four hundred two. Yeah, anywhere from one hundred and twenty-five to three hundred sixty thousand yeah. dollars, depending on the age. Hmm. Well, that's uh, yeah. quite a difference in price, I guess. 
Well, but think of what it's going to cost you to maintain that though. You've got two piston engines, depending on what, where the airframe's at. I know Cape Air has got a lot of, uh, approved processes that they've come up with for spar inspections and spar repairs and things on those airplanes to extend the life. So, uh, you know, it depends on what condition it's in and if it needs anything extensive, like a spar rebuild. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Maybe one of those could end up being the next AOPA plane giveaway. What's in the pipeline there, Tom? Can you say <laughs> or no? Uh, not a 402, I can tell you that. Okay. Just uh, check. No, we've got, we got a, a uh, an RV-10 is the current sweepstakes airplane. Oh, so, cool. All right. There you go. It's It's got a big big back in it, too. So you could probably stuff some stuff, some scuba gear in there. As long as it's free, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, for AOPA members, Greg. Yeah, I'm an AOPA member. Oh, Come on. Right. Okay. Who's your buddy? Who's your pal, Tom? Come on. Put a yeah, word in there. But you have to me. be an active pilot. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> that's not it. I don't think that's a, accurate. You have to have a license, don't you? I don't think uh, you do. Well, at least a student pilot certificate, yeah. which is basically a medical. Yeah, I, well, okay. You're, you're I'll get have one. To get working in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm a student pilot in training, something like that. We'll come up with some excuse to cover that base. All right. Well, uh, look, there, there's some other stuff we got to cover. Uh, what, what, there's an AOPA flying coming up, I believe, isn't there? We're in the midst of deciding for next year. Oh, that's what it was. So. I saw some announcement about a, a fly-in to watch the leaves color change or something. We got lots of people uh, flying out for that, but not, not nothing organized by us. Nothing specific from AOPA. But, uh, yeah, it is that time of season. Are you doing that, Keith? I am not. You are not an old fart. I, Dennis? I, I did some... Yeah, I did some of that last weekend. Uh, you did some last weekend. Okay, so he is an old fart. Dennis admitted it straight up front. I'm the only one who's young and nimble at this point. More coming up. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Been up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet. I'm gonna fly on out of here on wings that you can't see. If you're gonna fly high without fear, you're gonna have to learn to love the atmosphere, and you gotta learn to use those wings you can't see. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co pilot, that's me, along with Captain Keith and Dennis, rounding out the crew, and our special guest from AOPA, Tom Haynes, uh, for at least a couple more minutes. And then we're gonna let him get back to you know taking care of some real business the real we, important stuff the important stuff you know so i mean we're actually go ahead tom admit it are you going on a, a flight to go watch the leaves change <laughs> are you going to admit that in public or no uh, i i am i'm going to go down to the shenandoah valley in virginia which is a great place to go uh look at leaves and yes i will confess to be if that if that's a definition of old geezer which i didn't realize it was until you start talking about yeah it, it is yeah. let's be real come on All right, fine. when you get to that age where you're going to watch the leaves change color you know that's kind of one of those uh things where they start pulling your man card away from you some of us just <laughs> no, appreciate it's, a, it's God's not beauty. it's a timeless it's, it's a, a timeless, timeless. keep what? telling yourself that the old hey, fart. <laughs> you want to go get a get a girl on a date? You tell her, "Hey, I'm going to go take you up for a ride and go look at the leaves." You want to do that? I guarantee you that he can't. Will yeah, I can't. Yeah. I'm married. I'm uh, I'm I'm well, way I'm, past you know, that. I'm trying to throw that this ship up for sailed. our single listeners, both of them. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. You know, it, it is actually a great time to fly because things have cooled off just a tad. You know, especially for us in Florida, but for you guys. You know, it's uh, it's pretty nice up uh, up north right now, right? Before it gets uh, really cold. 
Yeah, we've had some great flying weather the last, uh, actually about six weeks here in the Northeast. And uh, fall is always a wonderful time to, to go out and exercise the airplane a little bit and uh, maybe get some training done. And then for later on, uh, when it starts to get cold, well, then we can just head south, come visit you guys, then go down maybe down to the Bahamas. Right. Where, uh, Southern Bahamas, Bahamas, Middle Bahamas, Southern Bahamas, that sort of thing. They're still in great shape and looking mm-hmm. for people to come down. It's a wonderful place to, to go. Fly. Yeah, and the weather down there has cooled off a little bit now, too. Now, I went yeah. down uh, deep into Grenada mm-hmm. last week, which was much further south, and it felt like August in Orlando. <laughs> it was hot, <laughs> steamy, and I was like, oh, my gosh. You should have gone to the Bahamas instead. I, I should have, uh, but that's yeah. just where they sent me. Well, uh, you can go watch the leaves change as well, Tom. Just all right, thanks for permission. I wouldn't share out loud. Just keep it to yourself. We all do it. You just probably shouldn't say it out loud to the world. If we want to keep that man card, that's all I'm saying. More coming up on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. This test today, it's important. I got it. I'm going to make you look good up there. Don't worry. Okay, now let's get these pants off and fly some planes. I'm learning to fly around the clouds. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Keith and Dennis, rounding out the crew as we navigate the latest aviation news and information. So... You know, I, I did just get back from the Spice Island, which is Grenada, uh, way, way south, almost down there to South America. And it was hot. It was steamy. It was great diving weather. As I was down there uh, celebrating Grenada Dive Fest, and uh, we were scuba diving, just having the time of our lives. You know, the flights down to the uh, Spice Island down there well, were pretty non-eventful, which is nice. Was a, which was a nice change of pace compared to my last trip down to the islands, uh, to the island of uh, Dominica, which is a little bit more on the rustic side of the things. But but it is actually closer to the U.S., but they don't have direct flights from Miami like they do in Grenada. So the flight to Dominica was literally more than twice as much, over a grand, to get there from Florida. It was ridiculous. We had to go through San Juan. They lost bags. It was all, you know, because you got the puddle jumper flight and they didn't seem to care or whatever. Wasn't, had nothing to do with Dominica, just the airlift that they have to get there sucks for the uh, U.S. market. And Grenada's got it down. You can get there from, I think, Texas, New York, Miami, nonstop flights, big jet service. They have one of the longest runways uh, in the Caribbean. Did you know that, by the way? No. I did not. You know, back in the day when we had that big invasion thing that Reagan did right. for Grenada, one of the reasons they you know, I learned this while I was on the island, the reason why it was kind of a big deal was because the they say the Cubans were trying to get in there and, and take control of Grenada and have control over their airport, which at the time was the longest runway in the entire Caribbean. Now it's been overtaken a little bit, but it's still a very substantial runway and you can fly big uh, jets in there. And they were trying to 
you know, they need to keep the Cubans at bay. So Reagan got in there and did his little thing. And, you know, was like, you go back and Google it and you can find out all about the history. But there was actually an aircraft or an airport issue that uh, was kind of the backdrop to some of that in, you know, Grenada invasion thing that was going on back in the day. Interesting hmm. stuff, but a, a cool place and a very easy to get to. And uh, it would be great for a little puddle jumper. A flight down to the Caribbean. Well, so what I, is a puddle jumper? Well, when you puddle jump from one island to the next, like an island hop, you hop your way all the way down the the chain of islands. That would be a great place to go. For Greg, that's probably anything smaller than the seven thirty seven would be classified as a puddle jumper. Well, no, the puddle jumper would be just the flight itself, and only take you you know an hour between islands. It can be any kind of aircraft. It could be one of those twin piston things. It could be a, you know, Grand Caravan, Quest, Kodiak, whatever, 402. I don't care. Whatever you fly that you can get me there in, I'm good. And, you know, I come back and fly back to Orlando from Grenada. And what's the first story I've seen on the mainstream media is the fact that this lady uh, got on her Delta flight at Orlando International Airport. The flight, you know, the same... (laughs) Airport and aircraft that I was flying on to Grenada. Uh, she got on the plane without ID, uh, without a ticket, without nothing. And I was like, wow. I'm glad I wasn't on air, that aircraft. I would have been really annoyed uh, because yeah, they made everybody get off the aircraft, which, you know, they have to, I guess. I understand that point. But I, wouldn't you be annoyed by that? I would be extremely annoyed. Yeah. I'm I mean, annoyed by TSA anyway. Well, and the fact that they didn't wasn't do their even, job. I don't think it was TSA. They let her through the gate. They let her through security without no. a ticket. She had no ticket. Well, yeah, but she had. She did have supposedly some kind of ID to get through uh, TSA. She had to. It, it was they, did, they. They didn't. Once she got over the gate, she said she had ditched her ticket. No, that was on the airplane. Away. She said she ditched her ticket. Right. So I mean, was wasn't? Wouldn't that be the gate agents let her? You know, sneak through when they were taking the tickets on the aircraft. No, oh, because they don't uh, take your ticket anymore. Well, they no, they, they you have to show it on the scanner. Yeah, you show it on the scanner and you walk in. So when she was on the airplane, when the other lady came up to her and said, "Hey, you're in my seat," mm-hmm. the flight attendant came up to her and said, "Hey, where's your ticket?" She goes, "I she threw says, it away." I threw it away. Right. So well, she never you, had a ticket, though. Well, that I mean, do we know for sure? I don't know. Uh, I, but that's, what I'm that's, saying, that's the article that I read. Yeah, I, but what I'm saying is, I'm, I'm not so sure it was an issue of getting through TSA as much as it was when she got into the terminal. And if she did, if it wasn't an issue with TSA, why did they have to empty the airplane and, and pat down everybody? Well, because she didn't have uh, any identification on her, so she said. So I mean, I guess you're right. Maybe I mean, how did she get through TSA without having an ID? I don't know. Good point. She, she somehow something went terribly wrong in the system, and whether you want to blame TSA or the gate agent, I guess I'm we'll going to blame TSA. You're going to blame TSA. Uh, the fact of the matter is, it, it should not have happened anyway, regardless of who is to blame. But the fact that it got that far is pretty. I mean, it's scary on one sense; it's really annoying on the other sense because it's probably some whack job. You right. know, she, you know. Hopefully, it was no terrorism kind of thing it was just some nut job that you know did this and got out of control and she got on the plane somehow 
Uh, and, and that would be extremely annoying for, you know, you're trying to catch your next flight and now you got to get off the plane. Everybody has to get cavity searched. I mean, there's a bonus, but you know, the, you know, there's, yeah, it, it just can really screw up your day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I hate flying with the airlines. Yeah. Well, and then the other guy, they had another guy, uh, just a couple of days later on an American flight, which right. I was flying American. And he, he just said, Hey, I'm getting on this plane, whether you like it or not. And then they had to forcibly, uh, you know, remove him. So uh, luckily, but, I haven't had any of those incidents in my travel. Uh, no. But, but uh, I, I would be very annoyed if that took place on one of my flights. Yeah, but he was admitted to a to ha- to have some psychological Issues. testing done. Duh. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. I, I don't know uh, what the solution is, but they got to do something or, you know, or at least keep things uh, a little bit tighter on the security thing. I, I do think there's going to be some things happening because of this, though, because, you know, the fact that both of those people got on the plane, they got on the plane right there at the gate check. So you can I can guarantee you they're going to be watching everybody like a hawk now. Are you with me on that much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just well, they get it through up for the TSA. rest of us. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm getting ready to do one of the longest flights I've done possibly ever next week. And I'm getting ready to fly out to the Red Sea and go to Cairo. Uh, and I got like an 11-hour flight. And obviously, I'm going into a, uh, a more, I don't know what, colorful part of the world where security is going to be a little bit more intense, I have a feeling. And uh, I, I, I think, you know. I'm preparing for the cavity search and everything else, I guess. Well, you welcome those. Well, I mean, there's a bright side, I guess, you know, depending on how you look You're at gonna it. You're going to wear your Speedo again for TSA just to get it out of the way. Here you go. <laughs> All right, spread them. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I, you just got to do whatever you got to do to make it more, I don't know, tolerable. Different strokes, different folks, I guess. Yes. <laughs> But anyway, uh, it'll be interesting to see if I see a change because, you know, I got back to from Grenada before all those uh, those two incidents happened. But uh, next week, I have a feeling it's going to be a little tighter, might slow down the process a little bit. Let's hope it doesn't. Do you think the TSA really works that fast? Oh, of course they do. I can guarantee you that as soon as that story got out that this person had gotten through uh, Orlando International Airport without a ticket and ID, they were on everybody like hawks because they don't want to be the second person to to let someone through. They want to know? know which felon let them through. They want to know what? <laughs> which felon let them through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think they can hire those folks for yes, that job. Do. Can they? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Now, well, now we know. Well, anyway. Hey, who, who better to know how to sneak stuff in, right? Okay. Well, there's that logic. Sure. But no, I I can guarantee you they clamped down on it immediately. I mean, just peer pressure. I mean that because that was that was obviously terrible news for TSA for you know the ticket agents there at the gate for Delta and for anybody who thinks that TSA is really doing something really valuable for the traveling public. Right. They don't want them. Uh, they don't want the public thinking that this stuff isn't uh, you know locked down. Right. And all the money that's being spent on this. And something as silly as that can happen. So uh, my answer to you, Dennis, is yes. It happens immediately. 
and it can be very uh, disruptive for your everyday traveler. That's my prediction, and let's be real, I'm, I'm right all the time, even when I'm wrong. In your mind. My reality, your world, something like that. More coming up. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I don't really need or want anything. I mean, my life is pretty chaotic. I have five kids, you know, and I have friends that love stuff. I have a friend who has a drawer of watches. I have another friend who has five cars. Whenever I'm with these people, I realize I'm just simple. All I need is a nice bed and a private jet. Yeah? <laughs> now, I have the bed. All I need is the jet. And it could be a used jet. I'm not a snob, you know. I mean, I don't want a prop plane. I'm not trash. But I can see you fly away. I can see the sun upon your face. I can feel your heart and I can hear you cry. A dirty bird like me. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Keith and Dennis, rounding out the crew. All right, so <clears throat> I just got back from flying uh, commercial back and forth from Grenada. It was pretty uneventful. Uh, I will tell you, 
I had an aisle seat and I didn't like it. I, we had entertainment and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, on the way down, I sat next to a rather large uh, woman in the middle seat next to me that was uh, slightly annoying. She smelled fine. But, uh, hey, large women need loving too. Come on. But she was taking up my armrest. And I mean, I was like, okay, the width of the seat was fine for my buttocks. Hers could have used an extra inch or two, which explains why she kind of exploded out of her, you know, space into my space and then, you know, violated it a little bit more than I would prefer. But I tolerated it. You know, better uh, a large uh, woman as opposed to a large man. Just that's my preference. Okay. But I will tell you the one thing I did notice the uh, leg room, way too short. It seems like you it's think the knee. Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, Cap Keith is kind of like the size of uh, your, you know, average Sasquatch. I mean, it, I don't know how you'd fit in there. I mean, I'm, I'm six one. And, but it, this was the first time I was like, gosh, you know, these seats are, they're coming way too close. They needed at least another couple inches. And, uh, I mean, we've been covering the, the facts that the airlines are switching around space on the uh, seats, like making the middle seat wider. What, what airline was that? Was that Spirit that was trying to make I think the. That was Spirit. Yeah, they're trying to make and, the, their but middle seat. They weren't seat. Uh, doing it right. They're making the middle seat wider, but they sure, sure weren't giving you anything back in, in the uh, seat pitch. In other words, the distance between those rows. And, right. you know, even the, the mainline carriers have been doing everything they can to shove, you know, one, two, three more rows of seats into those same cabins to, you know, be able to pack more, more passengers into the same flight, which means more revenue for them, but mm-hmm. makes it much more uncomfortable for us. And that brings up, you know, kind of a safety concern. A lot of people have been raising questions. In fact, it got to the point that Congress, when they uh, did the FAA reauthorization last year, they mandated that the FAA actually go out and test whether or not the existing standards for aircraft evacuations are still valid. And so for the last couple of weeks now down in Oklahoma City, they've been running tests with 720 volunteers going through all sorts of exit scenarios with different seat spacing, seat types, different aircraft types to see if they can truly evacuate the cabin in that, what is it, uh, 60 or 90 seconds, whatever they're required to be able to demonstrate to certify an airplane. Hmm. Because a lot of these planes may have been tested with the, you know, factory seat configurations. And now, you know, we've come in and redone the interiors, put smaller bathrooms in and all of that potentially could be, uh, making it impossible for people to get out in a timely manner, which could become a disaster if, if something were to happen. Yeah. Well, any excuse we can you know, use to make the seats, uh, give make them give us more uh, leg room as a win. <laughs> Whatever we got to do, because it's definitely shrinking. And, um, you know, in, 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 here's the thing. I'll travel with a water bottle and, you know, have a little pouch on the seat in front of you. You know, they, you just stick your stuff in there. Right. Well, the, you know, that sticks out about two, three inches. And now you got a big lump in the middle of your uh, lap and, you know. You, you put that in each row, and, and if you had to get off quick, yeah, I, I can see that being a problem. It is a problem. And then have the person in front of you recline back and, and further uh, impinging on your free space? Well, it's hmm. not your free space. We had this no, conversation. No, we've had before. this discussion. Dennis. <laughs> no, oh, it's my space. Well, uh, okay, solve this, uh, resolve this argument there, Keith. What do you think? Is it 
is it his space if he reclines back or is it uh is it my space that my seat reclines back i say it's my space if my seat reclines i'll be damned if i'm not reclining it i'm taking my space but you're also taking room away from my knees Yes, but that's so. My knees are going to be in your back. Well, that's uh, that's your problem, not mine. No, it's going to be your problem. Well, in a couple minutes, it'll be more than your knees. (laughs) I'm telling you, if it's my space, I'm taking it. I paid for it. Now you recline your seat back, and you can get your seat. It doesn't do anything for my knees, though. Well, that is true, but you know, you can stuff them up in there. And I mean, technically speaking, yes, it is your space. Yes, see, I'm correct. Once again, I am correct. Thank you. It is very, very uncomfortable for the person sitting behind you. I don't deny that, but uh, I honestly don't care about them. (laughs) So personally, I don't ever recline my seat on an airplane. Really? Yeah. Just because you're you're too sensitive to the person behind you? Well, there's that. Okay. All All right. Second of all, um, those seats are not nearly as strong when they're in their reclined position. So if you ever have an accident or an incident, that seat could definitely break in the reclined position. Well, that's why so they this- tell us, you know, you have to have it up in the upright position when we're right. landing. I'm still going to recline it when I can. I don't care. <laughs> like I said, I'm paying for it. That's why, you know, Spirit, they're not even letting you uh, recline them anymore. Yeah. They're just making the butt wider in the middle seat and giving it a more of a concave. So kind of giving this illusion that it reclines. <laughs> Which might work for you. I guess it'd be safer. Still doesn't do anything for my legs. I want to be able to lay totally flat, sleep off this whole uncomfortable thing. And on that note, let's go ahead and just uh, recline your seat, take a nap, whatever you need to do, and wrap it up. If you're not already doing so. Exactly. Remember, there's no better high than than learning to fly. Just Plain Radio is brought to you by JustPlainRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Morbid. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plain Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlainRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plain Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. <laughs> Listen up, everybody. Hi, some news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plain Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlainRadio.com.